0: Hi, I'm Raquel. And I'm
1: Milan, and welcome to the eWellbeing podcast.
0: eWellbeing is a mental health platform brought to you by the digital team at YMCA Downslink Group to provide young people with tips. Ideas and easily accessible support for their mental health and well-being. To see the site in action, go to e-wellbeing.co.uk.
1: The e-wellbeing podcast is focused on all things mental health. Each episode will feature interviews with experts and mental health practitioners on topics impacting young people's well-being. In today's episode, we'll be talking about racism and mental health. In light of recent events surrounding the black lives matter movement across the world we've seen an uprise in protests debates by people from all cultures and backgrounds on the issues of racism privilege diversity discrimination and much more
0: understandably this has and continues to impact the mental health of children and young people growing up in an ever-changing society as we transition out of lockdown just a quick content note before we start In this podcast episode, we will talk about sensitive subjects such as racism, discrimination and mental health. Please be aware that we will briefly touch on the topic of suicide. If at any point you're affected by anything discussed in this podcast, please reach out for help. If you are in crisis, you can contact the Samaritans on 116 123. That's for free if you're in the UK and Ireland. They give confidential listening support 24 hours a day. Now on with the podcast.
1: We are delighted to be joined today by Kadra Abdinassar, the Head of Children and Young People's Mental Health at the Centre for Mental Health in London. Welcome Kadra and thanks for joining us. Hello. Please tell us more about yourself, what you do and a bit about your organisation.
2: Um, Sure, thank you so much for inviting me to be here today. Delighted to join um, and to talk about this really important topic. So um, yeah, I'm Kadra, I've got a bit of a blended role. So my main role is at Centre for Mental Health um, and we are a research charity working across all ages um, and we kind of have a specific focus on the impact of inequalities on mental health. Um, And so I lead our work around children and young people Um, But also we host something that's called the Children and Young People's Mental Health Coalition. Um, And this is like a network of over 200 organisations who campaign together on children and young people's mental health. Um, And outside of work, I'm also an organiser on a campaign called Charity So White, which is about trying to tackle racism in the charity sector. So, yeah, they're all sort of slightly related. Um, Yeah.
0: That sounds like great work you're doing, Kadra. Today on the podcast, we've got Josh and Emily, two young people who have some questions for you about the Black Lives Matter movement, racism and mental health. Go ahead, Josh.
3: Hey there, Kadra. My name is Josh and I'm 17 years old. I apologise if I have said your name wrong. Uh, I hope you are doing well. Um, I'm doing well, thank you as well. And um, how's your quarantine been? Has it been alright? I hope it's been a pleasant experience for you. So my first question is... Has experiencing racism online or in person affected the mental health of the young people you work with?
2: Oh, so Josh pronounced my name perfectly there. (laughs) Um, So absolutely, I would say that racism both on and offline can have like a real impact on our mental health. So, for example, um, a lot of young people might feel lonely or isolated because they're treated differently um, because of the colour of their skin. Um, it can also be really traumatic, particularly online, where we see, um, you know, these rapid and constant circulation of very violent, traumatic images and videos. And it can feel it's a bit inescapable um, as well. Um, I think we're all kind of aware of cyberbullying and how that's become a sort of growing phenomena as well. Um, and I think that kind of... Um, move to the online world means that you know it, does, it no longer ends at the school gates at three o'clock that it actually can follow you home um, and without the right support and advice around how to address that it can really negatively impact um, your mental health. I think another worrying thing about racism and experiencing it online is again that point about it being relentless but that also individuals can hide behind the anonymity. So you don't really know who is perpetrating um, the acts of racism online necessarily. And it can be basically hard to kind of hold them to account. And those individuals, unfortunately, take advantage of that. Um, so it's really important that you know, we're aware about the right kind of processes to report and block and address um, instances of racism online.
1: Thanks for that, Kadra. Yeah, that's really interesting what you're saying. I mean, now, you know, we have phones in our pocket and young people just have access to so much more. And it's kind of so much more of a constant thing. Um, So we've got another question for you. So research says that during lockdown, there's actually been an increase in BAME young people reporting suicidal thoughts, anxiety, depression in comparison to white young people. Why do you think that might be?
2: Yeah, so, um, this was a really kind of interesting story that came out from, um, an online counselling platform. Um, and I think actually what's really interesting is that young people from Black and minority ethnic backgrounds, um, kind of report positive experiences, um, in terms of accessing online support compared to kind of more traditional support. Um, so they do tend to kind of find that sort of, um, online provision a lot more kind of beneficial for them but what they found was that um more and more young people from those backgrounds were using their platforms and again reporting high levels of suicidal thoughts anxiety and depression Um, i think Of course, we've seen like all of the evidence around the kind of severe impact of COVID-19 on black and minority communities. So I don't think it's a huge surprise in that um, these communities are therefore experiencing greater levels of mental health and distress. Another kind of factor is, of course, the pandemic has really impacted people's livelihoods, um, access to kind of food and things like that. Poverty is like a significant risk factor, we know, in mental health. Um, And young people from black minority backgrounds are more likely to be living in poverty compared to their peers. Um, And then I think the research tells us that they are around four times more likely to develop a mental health problem if you're growing up in poverty. Um, So that may also be another factor. But I think there's a lot more that needs to be done to really understand the mental health of young Black and minority children because we don't really have enough and comprehensive information about their experiences.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like definitely more research needs to be done and it's going to take a while before we see sort of the long-term effects as well. Thank you. Um, So now we have a question from... Uh, another one of our young people, Emily. Hi,
4: Kadra. As a mixed-race person who struggles with their mental health, do you have any coping strategies to dealing with the amplified right-wing racism and images of Black suffering on social media?
2: Um, Thank you, Emily, for your question there. Um, I think it's really important to think about what it is that we can control. Um, So again, with social media, um, you know, we've got the power to kind of manage our content to some extent. So thinking again about how we might filter out content um, that we find personally distressing. I think all of the kind of main platforms such as Instagram, Twitter allows you to do this. Um, I think it's really important, again, that we're aware of how um, to report um, and block any kind of online abuse that we might come across. Um, It's also really important to take breaks from social media, again, so, you know, just having this relentless access to harmful content is not good for anybody. Um, and I also think trying to reduce the time spent on the news, I personally felt really impacted by just all the kind of negative news that we've been seeing during the, the lockdown. So I'm um, just trying to think about how I can use my time in alternative ways, going for walks, reading, um, speaking to my friends instead of, you know, oh, at six o'clock I need to <laughs> listen to this and that. Um, um, what else would I say? I think also it's important just to kind of bring it back to the basic tenets of mental health, um, which again is something that we can control to an extent. So managing um, our sleep, making sure we have good sleep patterns because I think everybody's sleep has been all over the place during this lockdown period. Um, um, building in time in our day for movement. So there's a lot of focus on exercise, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a fitness routine that you do. Um, just going for a walk dancing, climbing, whatever it is within your kind of vicinity that you can do. Um, thinking about food consumption as well. So, you know, many of us aren't going out as much as we were for food, but maybe thinking about creative ways and learning new recipes at home. Um, and then I think I would also suggest looking, in, looking into um, available support and net support networks locally. Um, and I'm pretty sure you can find some of this information on the eWellbeing um, platform as
1: well.
0: Yeah, thank you for that, Kadra. I think that's a really important point that you've made as well, because I think in this really busy world that we live in, people don't think of turning off social media as an act of self-care, but it definitely, definitely is. We do have a module on the eWellbeing website all about social media and the impacts it has on your mental health. So if you do want to read up a bit more about that, then head over to the eWellbeing website. So up next, we have another question from Josh.
3: Do you have any tips for how to look after your mental health when engaging with or challenging racism online or in person?
2: Okay, um, I guess firstly, I would say that, you know, you you don't have to challenge anyone on on racism if you feel like, you know, you might be in danger or that it might cause you harm. I think it's okay to kind of like ignore it or um, speak to a trusted adult to kind of deal with it on your behalf. Um, but if you do want to kind of engage in any of that, I think, again, it's important to kind of know your rights um, and the policies and the platforms that you use. Um, so I would suggest um, taking a look at uh, a website called Stop Hate UK. Um, I used to volunteer for them some time ago, but they would challenge on your behalf any form of online hate um, and take it forward with you know, the police and what have you, if it is something that's deemed criminal. Um, So they they can help in terms of collecting all of the evidence Um, and they do quite a lot of great work with volunteers who kind of provide counter narratives to racist trolls online. So they they again can bring in some of their volunteers to support you in that way. And not many people know that this is a service that is available um, across the country. Um, I would also suggest taking a look at ChildNet because they've got also lots of great resources around how to deal with racist um, content online. Um, And then, of course, if any of that does have an impact on you, knowing where to get the right kind of emotional support is important. Um, And then again, thinking whether you might need to speak to a trusted adult um, that you have access to.
1: Thanks, Kadra. Yeah, that's, wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know that uh, Stop Hate, it did so many of those things. And like, those are some good resources. We have another question from Emily.
4: What advice would you give to a young person who may have lost friends because they didn't realise until now that they were racist or had racist ideas?
2: So again, I think as a young person of colour, is, an our job to educate anybody on racism. And again, especially if you feel you've been emotionally impacted by it, you know, just because you're a person of colour doesn't mean you are the spokesperson <laughs> on racism and feel like you have to challenge everybody who's racist. So I would just kind of, like that initially um, but if you have the opportunity and you feel that it's safe I would let them your friend know how they, their attitudes and behaviours make you feel um, so making sure that they really understand the implications of what they said and if they're your friend I think they would kind of come around and try to understand that. Um, it's also important I think um, sometimes to really listen to their perspective um and you know get them to kind of clarify their stance if they feel they've maybe misunderstood because sometimes there can be things that are just a simple misunderstanding or again that lack of educational ignorance can come into play um and i think you know from my perspective if this sort of behavior continues then i think you know you need to kind of reconsider whether that's the friendship you want to keep um and then alternatively that again lots of kind of networks um Of young people kind of from similar backgrounds that you might want to connect with and see whether you can create new friendships and connections through that.
0: Yeah that's a really difficult position for any young person to be in so thank you Kadra for sharing that advice it's really helpful. Our next question comes from Josh who wants to know your opinion on stigmas around mental health.
3: Is there a mental stigma a mental health stigma in black and ethnic minority or BAME communities and why might that be
2: yeah i think um, just across society i think um, there still continues to be a stigma associated with mental health for everybody um so I think like for a really long time we we talk about mental health being the Cinderella of Cinderella in our healthcare system. Um just because you know you're not treated the same way if you go to if you have a broken leg or if you have a mental health problem, you know, you know exactly what to do if you have a broken leg and it can be really difficult. Um I think for um communities from and from black and minority backgrounds, there's a kind of a slight double stigma in some ways. So again, just the discrimination that they might face or racism may put them off from ever disclosing a mental health problem or trying to seek support because they might feel then they would never get the help that they need. Um, So I think it's in some ways really heightened. um, And some of that is related to kind of cultural beliefs within some communities. So um, many people might turn to faith, for example, as a kind of source of support, which is a great thing. But I think that our society, unfortunately, doesn't really foster those kind of assets that are in all these communities. Um, Some people also might face language barriers and find it really difficult to get, um, communicate what they're going through. And then that presents like a a different kind of stigma for them. Um, So yeah, we still have a long way to go, but I think it's slowly kind of chipping away. I think what's been really encouraging is seeing lots of um black and minority prominent people speaking openly about their mental health. Um, and I think that will begin to kind of, you know, infiltrate and try and break down the stigma um, across these communities.
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting what you're saying about the double stigma, because that's that's absolutely true, isn't it? It's like there is already such a stigma around mental health issues and around talking about it. And then that's just kind of amplified in these communities. So the next question, Emily had some feelings that have come up for her that she wanted to share with you after the recent Black Lives Matter protests and because of coronavirus.
4: I'm feeling bitter and less trustful than I did before COVID. Systemic racism is blatantly killing people of colour at a higher rate because of COVID. Yet some people still ignoring it and Black Lives Matter seems to be considered as just a fraid- fading trend. I don't know how to accept these feelings of disappointment and frustration but not let it engulf me. Do you have any ideas of how I an and others can cope to get through this?
2: Thank you, Emily, for sharing that um, with us. I think it's really important to acknowledge the way that you're feeling. Um, It's actually a really normal reaction to everything um, that's going on at the moment. Um, And many of us are feeling that way, um, particularly because of the impact COVID, as you say, is having on our communities. That is leading on to a knock-on effect and a strain on our mental health. Um, I think it is really important to kind of stress the fact that um it's not a moment all of this it is a movement um and it's a marathon and not a sprint as well um so there aren't really any easy or quick solutions to racism because there's some, it's something that's been with us for centuries um but i think people are starting I know it's disheartening, but people are starting to really acknowledge how racism affects um, our institutions and our society. And there are more open conversations that is happening, which I think is a step in the right direction. Um, But I think with that, there really does need to come a lot more action um, because we just can't be hearing the problems constantly without any of that. Um, So um, just with that kind of in mind, at Charity So White, we we really like alliteration. um we've got these three h principles that we kind of go by um so the first one is around honesty so um just really getting um our communities our institutions to be honest about what's preventing us from achieving that change um, and trying to hold people to account over that where we can um humility in that that's the second h um in that you know none of us really have the solution it's not a magic bullet solution like there's just one thing that you can do that can fix this for from all of us and but as long as we kind of strive and try and implement and learn and work together that's also um, a very positive step and I think it can be really difficult um, to like have hope that's the third H Um, but it really like we do need to maintain some sort of hope and I think um, to me personally it's been just so like touching to see how many young people have been involved in the, in the movement and really really want to see change and change happening fast. So I think I would just yeah encourage you to try and remain hopeful. Um, again, in terms of um, accessing emotional support, I'm sure on the eWellbeing platform there will be lots of available advice and resources and self-care tips within that that um, you can try and work with the team to implement
0: as well. Thanks for sharing that, Kadra. We do have a module on racism on the eWellbeing site, um, which has tips for self-care and tips for reaching out to your support network. Um, So I recommend you go and check that out if you think that might be something that would be useful for you. And actually, that's a really important point. It has been amazing seeing so many young people getting involved in the Black Lives Matter movement, getting involved in action, getting involved in activism. But you're right, a really important part of you know, being part of change is rest. Um, so, everybody should make sure that they're doing that as well.
3: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yes. So, we have one final question from Josh
3: Why is it important for young people to talk to someone about how they are feeling or use a platform like eWellbeing to get help?
2: Yeah, so um, I guess it's very important as soon as you sort of um, begin to self-identify anything around like your emotions and mental health and that it might be taking a slight turn for the worse, it's really important that you do speak to somebody um, because it will help you kind of manage um, sometimes what can be those daily difficulties that all of us can experience before it becomes something more serious. Um, And then it can help you put in place some Uh, specific strategies to help manage these Um, again I think seeking support can make you feel a lot more empowered and taking charge of your own mental health Um, because sometimes often it can feel that people who might be struggling with their mental health don't have like the capacity to like manage their emotions when they can if they have the right support Um, I think again the kind of e-wellbeing platform is really flexible and offers kind of immediate advice and support which you might not necessarily get if you try and walk into a, you know a hospital or somewhere like that um and then i think it kind of signposts you to the right information and advice so you don't have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what service you need to go to and then that can cause some more delays and mean that you you know feel more poorly um, as a result so i think it's really a great kind of initiative and i wish there were more of those across the country If you are worried about your mental health or that of your friends, you can access support and advice via Childline or via the organisation Young Minds. If you need urgent or, or emergency mental health support, I think it's important for you to call 111 or 999.
1: That's actually a really important point about seeking help. For lots of people, it can be a really difficult first step to make. So it's encouraging to hear that lots of people find it to be an empowering experience actually. We have a final question from Emily about racism in the workplace.
4: I have experienced racist comments in the workplace and overheard people say racist things, especially about immigrants since Brexit. Um, As a child of an immigrant, I really don't know how to stand up for myself without being seen as the troublemaker especially when I'm a student on placement. Do you have any advice?
2: Yeah, OK. Um, well, I'm really sorry to hear about your experiences, um, Emily, firstly. I think um, many of us from minority backgrounds have experienced some sort of prejudice um, in school or in the workplace. Um, and it's really infor- unfortunate and it's something that somehow continues to persist. Um, sometimes it can be overt and sometimes it can't, you know, it's not necessarily clear whether this is something that's driven by racism or not. But I think um, the first step is just, um, you know, if you can find the kind of courage um, to identify those roots where you can raise concerns. um, And I think like all of us should be, you know, empowered to be able to do that and try and break away from these stereotypes that if we do challenge anybody in kind of, a more senior position that we are causing trouble or something like that but also I think it's really important that um, we collect examples and evidence wherever we can so even if that's within a school setting, college, um, in a workplace, um, I think it's really difficult to like challenge when you present people with that kind of evidence. So yeah I think, um, I think it is an unfortunate kind of stereotype that if we ever speak up about um any kind of inequality that we might face that we are trying to cause trouble but i think we need to be confident in that yes we need to challenge these things because most of the time i'm pretty sure they go against the policy of any kind of institution that you're in so i think it's being aware of those um policies and trying to use that and leverage that to make sure that, you know, you, you feel confident enough to challenge. Um, and also, I think it's really important to think about how your peers might be able to help you within that setting. So if it's, um, you know, other classmates that you can talk to um, and try and see whether they can support you in that because there's, there's also power in numbers so that it's not just one person who's bringing forward um, these issues. Um, And then again, finally, it comes back to like trying to do what you can to access the emotional support um, to deal with having to kind of go through this process, which can sometimes be really damaging and traumatizing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's important for people to know that they don't have to challenge racism alone and that they can find support in their peers or in other people that they feel are safe and that they can confide in. So following on from that, what advice would you give to an organisation that's trying to support the mental health of young people from Black, Asian, minority, ethnic or BAME backgrounds, um, but are struggling to connect with them?
2: Um, so I think firstly, for me, a lot of organisations use the terminology hard to reach, which I really, really dislike. <laughs> um, and often they use that to um, describe their you know, engagement with Black and minority young people that, you know, okay, they're not represented in our organisation, but that's because they are hard to reach. Um, but actually, I would challenge that and say that it's the organisations that are hard to reach for young people. Um, so I think, firstly, is just really thinking about um, creating and co-creating, in fact, culturally inclusive spaces. Um, so we're involved in a project, for example, in Birmingham, that's based in um, a theatre, where they've co-designed the space that the young men come as a, a theatre group for young black men. And they've kind of designed the space so that, you know, they feel really comfortable and at home. Um, and that kind of encourages their engagement a lot more. Um, I think listening and providing meaningful opportunities, often a lot of organisations, you know, they run these um, tokenistic um, consultation opportunities with young people, just so that they can complete a document or a report. But I think it's really important that any project that an organisation is trying to, you know, develop, that if they are genuine about youth engagement and youth voice, that they design that with young people and bring them along on the journey so that it's not just inputting into one workshop and that's it. Um, I think it's also important to diversify the organization so that young people can see themselves reflected in your organization so what we hear quite a lot of especially in the mental health world is that it predominantly is middle-aged you know white women it's like I don't necessarily connect with them not that they're awful people and you think I might not connect with them as I might with a you know a younger man for example and I think particularly for boys and men. Um, there's an additional, again, stigma around mental health and well-being. So it's important that, you know, we can do what we can to diversify our organisations. Um, and then coming back to that point about um, young people being hard to reach, there are lots of kind of um, spaces and community groups that young people from black and minority backgrounds are already involved in. So thinking about how we can go to young people So it doesn't mean that they always have to come to our office and work in our space, but there might be a way of like blending the way that we work. So, you know, um, there's a great example of a, a charity in London called Mac UK, where they provide street therapy, for example. So they actually walk and talk with young people in their own neighborhoods. And I think that's fantastic if we could, you know, just kind of move away from the more traditional medicalized approach of offering support. I think, yeah. Engagement would greatly improve
1: wow, yeah, that sounds amazing i'd I'd never heard of the the street therapy. Uh, and yeah what, that's such a good idea.
2: <laughs> yeah so recently as well we um, have co-produced a guide called This Is Me um, and this really came out from um, a project again that we have in Birmingham working with young black men um, to really think about the challenges and barriers that they face within the education system and we really felt that um, teachers and staff in school didn't really necessarily have the right tools or were equipped with the knowledge around and the experiences of young black men in the education system. So we worked with um, our peer network, uh, peer researchers to develop a guide to really um, digest the research that is out there on young black men's experiences in education and develop with them a set of top tips around um, how to look after their well-being and mental health and improve their engagement with education as well. And, And that's free and available on our website.
0: Thanks for sharing that, Kadra. The This Is Me Guide is a really great resource, and you can also find it on our website, the eWellbeing website. And um, if you go to the schools page, it will be under the Black Lives Matter tab.
1: Thanks for that uh, response as well, Kadra. I think it's so great to emphasize this idea of co-creating a space rather than kind of, you know, from a top down applying the traditional mental health practices onto communities that maybe aren't receiving it in the same way. And it's beautiful, it can encourage like creativity and innovation in in the way that we work. And yeah, thank you so much for that. And for all of your responses, that's really insightful and really informative. Yeah, I don't know if uh, you have any sort of final advice for Emily and Josh or just final words of inspiration that you'd like to share.
2: I think I would say, you know, it's, uh, if you feel you are able to, I think it's a really great time to think about how you can get involved in social action. I think, you know, um, the youth are the future, as cheesy as that, you know, phrase is. Now we love that. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's just so great to kind of see there's lots of opportunities now. And I think the online world has like really connected us all a lot more around specific issues and you know anything that fits around your interests I would really encourage you to kind of take part in it, see what you have to offer think about the new kind of connections that you can make what you can learn you know what you can influence again lots of decisions are being made now um, around particularly around racism and mental health and it's so important that um, young people's voices are a part of that and shaping the future direction.
0: Thanks for those words of advice, Kadra. And lastly, I just wanted to ask you, where can people go to find out more about the Centre for Mental Health? And are there any other projects that you'd like to share with us before you go today?
2: You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm not cool enough to be on Instagram, but we are on Instagram um, at, at for MH. Um, and you can also find a list of all of our projects um, at centreformentalhealth.co.uk. Um, I would like point a couple of projects that we have going on at the moment. So this um, flagship programme in Birmingham called Shifting the Dow, which is all about boosting the mental wellbeing and resilience of young black men through theatre, um, through mentoring and peer support and through um, improving pathways to employment. So just really thinking about how those different facets can really build their well-being um, and counter some of the challenges that they face in the kind of mental health settings. Um, also, um, I would like to point you all to the Children Young People's Mental Health Coalition. Um, on our website there, we've got um, uh, a section with a range of resources around how young people can look after their well-being during COVID-19. Um, and we also have a Twitter account, which is at CYP Mental Health. Um, so you can stay up to date with um, all the kind of latest research coming out of the charity sector around children's mental health.
0: Thanks for sharing those, Kadra. Everybody can go give those a follow. So we have a few final closing words from Josh before you go.
3: Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to some of our questions as young people. Um, it's really important to us that we get to ask these questions and find out the answers so that we can spread more awareness to the young people in our community and in the broader communities and really kind of make a change and help out so we really appreciate you coming out of your way and giving us some of your time to help us out
2: yeah no that sounds great yeah thank you so much um yeah good to have these conversations
0: yeah absolutely thanks so much Kaja for coming on the podcast today it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you all right
2: thank you thanks have a good one
0: Okay guys, thanks so much for listening and thanks to Kadra for coming on the podcast. Um, As you can hear from Josh, it's so important for young people to hear expert advice on the subject of racism and mental health. We hope you found this as helpful and as informative as we have and please share the podcast on with your networks as there's more to come.
1: And remember for more supportive tips on the impact of racism, coping strategies and inspiration to support the mental health of young people. Be sure to check out the eWellbeing website. That's www.e-wellbeing.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram at underscore eWellbeing and on Facebook as e-wellbeing. Bye for now.